Well, we'll get started. Episode 27 of Utah in the Weeds. I'm Chris Hollifield. And I'm Tim Pickett. And together we're Utah in the Weeds podcast. And we have a special guest today, Trevor Ung from Ung Family Farms and In Motion CBD. Uh, we're going to have a great conversation because we haven't really had an opportunity to get really uh, talking to any hemp farmers really here much on the podcast. A lot of, a lot of, um, other people, but not not anybody in your doing what you're doing there with your hemp farm. I don't think so. Have we, Tim? No, we haven't. We, I mean, we've talked to some grower, uh, some growers with um, the cannabis space in the marijuana industry, but that's a different. That seems like that's a different animal. So I'm I'm excited to get get more information now. Your, Trevor, your farm is in Payson. Yep, that's where we're located. Um, just here on the west side. I got into basically the hemp industry. I'm basically one of the uh, growers turned farmer now. So um, I I started growing in Colorado about 10 years ago and spent some time out there in their industry working in some large uh, marijuana grows and then doing some marketing and advertising and stuff like that and just doing my own personal grow as well, kind of learning the, the plant and how to grow. Always been interested in the plant and growing and so when I was out there, I got to, you know, finally do it legally. And so, yeah, that's how I got started and then had the opportunity to move home and then uh, see this industry start taking off. And that's kind of where I came in. We started here last year in the pilot program and I started on just my dad's farm or his property. He has uh, five acres and I grew on approximately three acres last year just to kind of learn the trade, kind of figure out the farming techniques and um, here we are now this year and we're right in the middle of harvest. Oh, wow. So what brought you back to Utah from Colorado? Uh, w- was it really just this opportunity? Yeah. Um, it was more or less for the whole cannabis industry in general. Um, I had interest in the medical marijuana side as well, but I knew it was going to be very difficult to get involved there where I wanted to kind of do something on my own. And I started following and seeing the hemp industry kind of emerge I was looking at their rules and regulations and what it took to get involved. And it seemed like a little easier path to get my foot in the door. And so that's kind of what drove me to the hemp industry. Talk about this, uh, this pilot program. You mentioned that. Is that like that was with hemp? That was uh, for growing hemp here in Utah? Or I'm unfamiliar with this. Yeah, that's just what they called it. Um, it was the first year for hemp. And so the whole Utah Department of Agriculture and Food. Um, it was their kind of first year handling the industry as well. Um, so I think they were just trying to get their first year under the way. And so they just kind of called it a pilot program. And I'm not sure if this really stands year one for them, but you know, it's basically year two for all of us. Okay. For most of us at least. How many other people are involved in the pilot program? Do you guys like communicate? Is it a is it a or is it kind of separate farms? So there, last year, there was approximately, I think, 240 growers in the state who had licenses. Um, maybe not all of them grew all the way or maybe they supplied and, and that we're just kind of watching the industry. But the pilot program was just something the Department of Agriculture kind of named it. But it's now just, I think, the hemp you know, industry. Um, but there is like collectives and other associations that a lot of these farmers and everyone who are joining up and teaming up and we're all trying to figure this out together. 
there's just so much, like I was watching you getting ready to ask a question and there's just so many things on my mind as far as this, this goes. So you've got five acres, you're in Payson, the, you're on your second year of growing and like, like, what do you, what do you think about it now? Now you've, you're in your second year. Oh, so actually since last year, we, I got my rest of my family involved. Um, the first year when I did this, I got the license and we called it Ungo Hemp CBD Farms. And that was just under like a nickname of mine that I've kind of grown up with. And that's where I started. And we actually got through our first season and I was planning on my next season. And we found a property just uh, a mile uh, south from my, my dad's place. And um basically between my girlfriend and my brother and sister, we all went in on this 11 acre property. And so now we're farming on 11 acres and we're basically all in when it comes to the hemp industry right now. And we're working hard here where he still don't have a whole lot of equipment when it comes to the hemp industry, when it comes to like their, there's buckers, there's trim machines, there's all sorts of to- fancy tools that will help you get through these harvests. And we're basically running it all through local manpower and just a lot of hands and people out there who are interested. And, in, you know, we have a lot of employees, but we have a lot of volunteers that will come out and help us with this harvest. But yeah, it's a, it's a whole new animal, especially trying to grow this plant on, you know, a large scale. Do, uh, do you ever get like your neighbors bothering you like, or freaking out because they think you're growing like <laughs> marijuana over there and then they don't realize you're just growing hemp. There's definitely a lot of curious neighbors. Is there? Yeah. Um, and most of them have all been very positive and, you know, very interested in the whole process as well. Yeah. Some of them still think they're big tomato plants and <laughs> not really knowing what's going on. But there's a lot of curious teenagers and a lot of curious people just always driving around, you know, and they drive really slow by the farm. And uh, we had to deal with actually some theft last year. We had a bunch of plants getting stolen from us. And we think it's a bunch of, well, like high school teenagers and other people who just you know, they think it's the real deal because it smells like it, looks like it, and it really is the exact same plant, but just born and bred to be very low THC and more or less we call it diet weed a lot of times. Diet weed. That is so funny. (laughs) I mean, I was wondering about that. That's one of my next questions that I wanted to see. Like, what's the fencing situation around around your farm? I mean, 11 acres, that's a, that's a lot of ground to put a big, chain link fence up around to keep people out. Yeah. So last year, um, our fencing was basically just regular kind of pasture fencing, you know, we just kind of stretch fence and post and some kind of barbed wire across the first row. But it's a, my dad's property was a very old property and the fences weren't in great condition. So they're easy to get over, easy to get, you know, through. And, you know, so the new property now, um, we, I invested, yeah, we have 11 acres and it was a lot in fencing. So we got like a six, <laughs> six foot, no climb fence, um, you know, and wood posts every 25 feet, but we use T posts in between, try to kind of break down some of the costs, but. I'm looking at your fencing right now. Yeah. yeah it looks like, like I'm looking at the Facebook, uh, Facebook post and I think I see your fence and yeah, that, uh. That looks like a lot of work to put it up. That was our spring project. And among others, we put up a greenhouse this spring and put up that whole fence. And um, yeah, there was a lot going into it, but 
uh, we still have people who cut through that fence and they already have. So we have to invest in the cameras and, you know, keep on doing things like that. But it is what it is. You know, if people wanted to get through that fence, they can, but it's just there to kind of slow them down. Talk about what is the uh, the process like to get a permit to grow hemp here in Utah? I mean, is it difficult? Is it expensive? I mean, how different is that versus we've talked about uh, people getting uh, to grow like medical marijuana. I'm sure hemp is is a lot different. Yeah, uh, that's where it was a little easier path for me to get involved on this one. It was basically anyone who's 18 and older, they got to have a clean like history, no drug charges within the last 10 years. They have to pass an FBI background check um, and just go through the license process. Uh, the The cost for the license fee was only 560 bucks. So it wasn't too anything crazy. Yeah. But then you got to kind of do build your business, your LLCs and whatnot. And yeah. But definitely more than like, if I want to grow one of these plants out in my backyard, it doesn't seem like $560 is worth it. Yeah. I mean, and there are some small people just doing that for their own personal use, but there's still a lot of rules. I think you ha- can't be with a certain distance of any kind of public park or this or that. So there are some of those kind of, uh, you know, rules that are, are in place, but um, there are some people that are able to probably, if they have enough acreage or I'm not sure if there's like a, a small of a lot, you know, if you're too small of a lot, you can't grow there. That's something that I probably knew last year, but I just haven't brushed up on any new laws. Right. Cause you're too busy. Well, and there's other bigger laws that are kind of threatening our industry. Um, that's kind of more important than that one doesn't really affect me. So I'm not really looking into, I know those kind of parameters of like, what's going to stop me, but we have Talk other about things. Those. Yeah. What do you worry about? So there's some um, proposed laws for the new cannabinoid that's being brought out. If you guys heard about it, it's a cannabinoid. Delta 8 DHC. Oh yes. Yes. Delta eight. Yeah. So Delta eight is another cannabinoid that is, might be added to our total THC percent to like uh, potency tests. And right now it's, that's one of our struggles as, as farmers is producing a crop that is not going over that 0.3% THC. 0.3% THC is very, very, very little. And so for these, there's just not a lot of perfect genetics out there that are, you know, that are staying below there. So it's very close. And that's, we are, all of our plants and crops that we are growing are already been approved. But it's very easy, and we had actually a plant last year come up hot, and that barely came up at 0.37% THC. And the state will actually give you a little bit of a cushion and allow you to harvest a crop that has uh, a plant with 0.35% THC. So they give you a little 0.5 hundredths of a threshold. And so I was two one hundredths over last year, and that plant became illegal um, just due to the 0.3% THC. But anyways, long story short, that Delta 8 THC, if that is added to the total THC or CBD or sorry, THC contents, it will most likely push a lot of us farmers over that 0.35% threshold and make us be having crops that will either need to be destroyed or have to hopefully be have another path to go to an extraction facility where they are able to, you know, extract those THC and or dilute those levels. Holy cow. So this is basically, you can put the plants in the ground, you can work all summer long, harvest the plants. And then at the point where 
not only the point where you know you're under the existing laws when you started planting, but now they might change the rules on you right in the middle. Is that what we're talking about? Uh, <laughs> they are pushing that right now, yeah. yes. And so we've been on, in meetings with the Department of Agriculture because these are proposed and there's other things they're talking about. We do have a little wiggle room with that. So we don't actually would, if our plants, all right, let me start over real quick. Once the plant is like halfway through its uh, flower period is when I would myself would call the state out and have them come take us. They take samples throughout the crop and they will do it throughout the whole crop. And if those samples come back at 0.3%, then the state will say, okay, you are approved to harvest this crop. Um, It is a legal hemp crop. And now you have 30 days to harvest. I said 30 days. I call them at 30 days approximately because typically cannabis strains will finish approximately eight weeks. And so that's around the 60 days is kind of what my estimate is. If perhaps that test result did come back uh, at, you know, 0.37% THC and they said, no, your, your crop failed, then that's when you're, you're, you're going to get hit with a violation. And then they're, you're going to have to probably figure out like those routes I said before, either it's going to be destroyed. And I believe there was a lot of uh, crops last year that were destroyed or it has to go through that extraction route, which I don't know if they even allow that yet. I think a lot of the crops were destroyed that were hot. Hmm. Yeah. So I know of, uh, I know of, of, uh, an extraction process that happened, a bunch of hemp. And I don't know whether it was, uh, it must've been in Utah because the THC mother liquid ended up here and it was, a pr- and I guess it was a process of harvesting hemp, harvesting the, the cannabis plant that was designed for CBD oil, and then they extracted the THC. So that's what you're talking about. You've got a pot plant and you've got to send it to a mill or some type of processing facility where they extract the THC out and give you back whatever, what was left. Is that right? Yeah, that's pretty, pretty close. So the extraction facilities, yeah, they able to do, and to really get in deep into this, the issues, a lot of this, there's another proposed law. I'll I'll go back to the extraction process a little bit. But they're also, so at that point of where we're getting our test re- results back and there's, we get it back at point, we'll say two, 5%. And you're, you're kind of close to that 3%. They say that you, they give you another 30 days to grow that plant. Right there in those, throughout those 30 days, that plant, those THC levels every day are going to be rising. And they're going to go over most likely that 0.35% THC by the time you harvest those plants. And they, they're cured and they're ready to go. Those plants are most likely, you know, maybe seeing 04 0.5% THC, which is still okay because they were deemed a legal hemp crop. This is where it comes into a weird gray area. And it's they ultimately need to raise the this THC level for us farmers to like a 1%. 1% still won't get you high and it'll make us farmers be able to have these successful crops without being threatened by this very low 0.35%. But Going back through the extraction process, yes, you can take these crops and if they are still hot, they can extract the THC or separate them. And you can even come out with like a CBD isolate or if you've heard of isolates and all those kind of products. Okay. This is, this is stuff that I just did not, I wasn't aware of these details that are just seem so defeating. It's very tough right now. There's a lot of struggles when it comes. It's a brand new industry. And those 0.3% 
you know, THC levels that we're restricted by. They're very old school and they need to be relooked at. And to really make this industry like safe for us farmers, we need to have, in my eyes, like a 1% THC and or a 10 to 1 ratio kind of thing. I've heard something like this before. Like if you're growing this plant and you have like a, you know, a 20% CBD and you're barely touching a 1% THC, you know, us farmers, we have no intentions to be growing a marijuana plant like that. It's a very medicinal plant. There's over a 10 to 1 CBD to THC ratio. So I don't know. They, they really need to relook at this. There's still a lot of stigmas that are attached to this whole plant in this industry. We are treated much differently, even from the marijuana industry where they're allowed to sell their vapable flower and have a, you know, a market for that. But us farmers here right now, we can't even sell our own flower to anywhere in the state to anybody else besides licensed um, extraction facilities or another farmer. So there's no way for us. I would love to be able to create even a pack of smokes that can compete with the tobacco industry and, you know, try to help people who don't want to smoke the cigarettes. Well, we have something, at least here's medicinal, you know, substitute. There's a lot of things I'd like to do with this plant, you know, and offer to people. And it were just really our hands are tied behind our back at this point. Holy cow. So, um, what do you end up doing with, okay, so, so let's, let's, uh, talk about a successful crop, right? So we're going to, we're going to go to a successful crop. What do you guys do with it? I saw your products on your website. Are you, uh, you making those products or, or selling a lot of those products right from the, um, from the products you're growing? Yeah, that's, that's definitely the plan. Our products aren't currently made with my own stuff. We had to buy isolate and other products to get our products in motion, um, all said and done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it took a while to get our first crops through the, the extraction process and to get our oils. And we have a, we have currently distillate products right now, which is still it's a more of a full spectrum product. And so that's kind of the next product line is what I'm kind of be working with is more full spectrum products. Right now, all four of our products are made for CBD isolate. And so none of those products, they're 0.0 THC. They're all kind of more just an introductory kind of CBD products, I would say. But uh, um, they just don't contain any THC for those people who don't want to risk their jobs or, you know, that kind of stuff. Sure. Do you have, um, like you said, you can't sell any of this, like you can't dry the flower and smoke it, vape it or anything. So you're allowed, I believe, to consume like the flower in your own privacy, your own home, like even when it comes to smokable, I think there's been some sheriffs and we've talked to a bunch of uh, officers about how they can consume it. There is being uh, smokable hemp flower being brought into the state all day, every day. And it's coming and it's being shipped in legally through the internet and all the other states on outside are selling it in Utah. It's a really weird situation. Um, when it comes to like us farmers, not, yeah, we are not legally, the department of agriculture will not give us a label or approve a label that is any kind of smokable or even vapable, uh, flower. So we have to sell our flower out of state to other people who are creating these smokable products. And then they sell it back to Utah right now. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> I'm just in, like, I'm in now. this is the funnest it, one of the funnest interviews I've had, and it's and not, but I'll be honest, I like I'm learning everything you're telling me is news to me. It's the inside of what we're dealing with right now. It's really make a struggle for us, honestly. The products we have, 
it has to go through a very, you know, all they have to get all tested multiple times. I um, mean, the whole manufacturing process. If I could be a farmer, you know, driving my own plant, going to the farmer's market with it and selling my flour, and it's something that's not going to get you high. It's still regulated by the state. All of our products come with like a QR code that uh, you can scan with your phone, and then it takes you to the, uh, the C of A, which is a certificate of analysis that's telling you exactly what this is in this plant, what's those testing levels. And so there's all sorts of ways to trace what products or what flower you're dealing with. I think that's one of the issues and worries that the sheriff department is there for one, they don't want to see people smoking. I don't know what, you know, they think the stigma looks bad and they don't want to see the open flame when it comes to this product. So, okay. So you can't come, like I was going to invite you to my Christmas party and have you bring a bunch of dried flour. <laughs> I, I would, I would love to come in that party. Just don't invite the cops or Department of Agriculture. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you can't. But legally, you no, can't. Legally, like, I can't. And when you brought tough. this up, like it's it it makes no sense at all that I couldn't go to the farmers market and have four or five cannabis vendors selling CBD selling CBD flour at the at the at the market with a CO a right a certificate of analysis like you said here's what the cannabinoid profile is in the plant uh you know less than 0.3 THC whatever right i probably yep. agree with you that there should be a spectrum right there shouldn't be a cutoff there should just be a spectrum as it gets a little stronger you need more medical advice you need more medical involvement maybe i i don't know but but I see the point. I see the problem on the other side too. Regulating that would be dang near yeah, impossible. I, I could understand to the point you don't want people smoking and driving. And so people may just have too easy access, like a basic cigarette. But I think personally, it needs to be regulated maybe by the tobacco and alcohol industry then a little bit. If there, or at least by Utah's. I'm not sure how that works with who the tobacco and alcohol, whoever they regulate sell them. But hey, it's the same thing. It's a, it's a smoke, but it's a healthy smoke. It has medicinal potentials. It's safer than a cigarette. It's, I don't know. I'd like to be able to compete with the tobacco industry and get people off cigarettes and smoking something that has some CBD benefits. Right. So, well, and are you growing any, like as your uh, crops, are you trying to get into other cannabinoids too, or really is the genetics pretty restrictive? Oh, actually. So CBG is a really big, cannabinoid that's very popular right now. And I think that's going to be a, actually a very successful route for especially Utah growers. Um, just when it comes to the THC levels, they've been very good with, I think the CBG genetic, or maybe just the way it's grown. I'm not an expert totally, but uh, it just, there's a lot of these strains when it comes to CBG that they're producing little to no THC. So are a lot safer when it comes to growing and having a successful crop but you're not getting high as high percentages. So these strains are, you know, we'll say CBD will have strains testing it anywhere from 15 to 18 and they're going up to the 20%. I've heard a lot of these CB strain, CBG strains are only testing approximately eight and 9%, you know, at their best, which is probably pretty good for CBG because it's a different cannabinoid and it still kind of converts over time. There's a lot of stuff I need to get into the science of it and get educated myself, but CBG will be another great cannabinoid we're looking into. Um, we have our neighbors growing it and some awesome plants. And CBG is a very awesome cannabinoid, which is you know a very medicinal cannabinoid. And still a lot of good things to learn about that one. I actually just got an email from Dragonfly. They're going to have some CBG bud there. 
Some are they? CBG flower for sale. Yeah. So. Yeah, I wouldn't. And then the other thing is, you know, what do you do if you, can you sell to a dispensary? So that is one route we're actually looking into right now. Um, I believe we are able to transfer our hemp flower um, to the Utah dispensaries. And so um, with our crop right now, we're already bringing down hundreds of pounds of smokable flour. We're actually trying to produce high quality smokable flour um, in our crop. We started every single plant in my field from a clone. We were busy all spring and winter long growing our mother plants and I cut them last year actually from our summer harvest. And so I grew plants from last summer all winter long and kind of housed my mothers and uh, just to ensure that we had, you know, high quality seedless, um, you know, female plants in our garden. So Mm, we're definitely trying to hit that medical industry as well. I mean, I could see like for my patients specifically, I, we've seen so many people who would benefit from a smokable, well, they, they, they use vapable marijuana, right? They use vapable THC and they like flour, but they, but there's this, uh, perception that the higher the THC content, the better the medicine. And it just, it's so beneficial for people to try lower THC strains. And I've had a lot of people ask me if they could buy CBD flour and then uh, mix them, you know, grind them together and mix a 25 THC, 25% THC with a, almost like a spliff you know, tobacco yeah. and, and, uh, and weed, but this is CBD weed and, and mm. high THC weed. I think that Get would better ratio probably work. I've never tried anything like that myself. I've actually heard a lot of times even CBD actually kind of negates the THC. So if you were maybe too high on THC, you should, you know, maybe take some CBD and it could help reverse some of those psychoactive, you know, feelings you're having. Oh but, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, this, this, we talk about all the time. It's, it doesn't take away the high, but it'll lower, it kind of buffers the high. A lot of people describe. And the other thing is the research with PTSD is like you said, a 10 to one ratio, but the 10 to one ratio is hard to come by in flower, right? You, yeah. not, it's nobody's growing. Nobody who grows THC high flower is like out there to grow a 10 to one flower. There are some awesome genetics and there are some awesome growers out there who are producing certain, you know, even I call them one to one. That's what they say. That's mm-hmm. the true medicinal strains. And there's a few out there. Uh, I'm going to throw out there. One of my favorite kind of breeders out in Colorado, Scott reach with rare dankness. Um, he grew, grow some awesome additional strains. I believe one's called like white rhino of some sort. I can't, it's been years, but, um, some really true medicinal strains, you know, you can have some, you know, not super high. There'll still be more like a, I'll say like 18% THC, but you'll have like a high, at least six, 7%, you know, CBD. Mm. It's not going to be that like one-to-one, but it's just, you know, more of a true medicinal strain. <laughs> cool. I just hope that there's more of that in Utah over time. And I think that it's going to take, probably going to take guys like you combining with these other growers who are growing the high THC strains to figure out the genetics. If the genetics come from Utah, then it's going to have to be a combined effort. I I guess I don't know all that much about it, but what else do you do with the, you said you're primarily working on smokable flour, but do you do anything with the, uh, the fiber, the hemp fiber? Uh, we haven't got into that too deeply yet. Uh, we have a lot of interest in doing fibers and textiles and stuff like that, but the rest of the plant besides uh flower is what we kind of call in the industry is biomass. And 
we'll take all the rest of the plant, anything even maybe not in smokable quality, and that will be kind of grind and milled um, and prepped for the extraction process. And that's the stuff and the oils that we're using for the vape cartridges or, you know, you go into all of our products like a tincture or your pain cream or, you know, other so on, so on. But, um, yeah, uh, to answer, I think I answered that question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's basically, it's like that the biomass is not something that you're not something you figured out how to like utilize as a, as a marketable product because the, the focus is really still on the flower. Actually, I think a lot of the farming is going to be into have see this done on a large scale. If you're just doing for oils is the biomass route and it'll be just a more of a kind of a crude way of harvesting. Um, and that's where we're, we're kind of learning this process right now. Cause we are definitely trying to produce some biomass just cause we can't on this kind of large scale handle and trim and slowly we don't have this capacity kind of to, produce mm. only smokable flour. It would be if that was like a smaller indoor grow, that'd be more ideal. But where we have like thousands of plants out in the field and these plants need to be out of the ground by a certain date due to the, you know, state regulations. And so we have to cut all these plants down, have them all hang dry. And so it's a very crazy process, especially with what we're doing right now. It's still a big learning curve. But uh biomass is a very important part but you have to have a lot of time special machinery. If not, it's very labor intensive hand shucking or shuck, just getting the rest of the plant down, or you just have to have some, a big milling machine that you can just throw the plant in and kind of grind it all up. So it's kind of a crazy process right now. So maybe we'll have to have a, another interview where you guys are over at the harvesting side or have you guys out there where you guys can, you know, have a in-depth learning 101 on what we're doing. how big are these plants? Like I'm looking on Facebook and they're, they're pretty big. Yeah. Some of them, of course, we're showing some of the nice ones too. We don't always show our little guys off, but there's some, or little ladies, sorry, they're all females, but, uh, there's some that range just like a foot tall to, you know, five, six feet tall. Yeah. There's some are pretty good size and some are just like a little bush or hedge that like hip size or shoulder size. That is so crazy. It's so crazy. I'm watching you on YouTube right now, like, uh, heart, like tip one over and pick one up. And now I think, yep. Oh my gosh, you got to do thousands of plants that way. I'm pretty yeah, excited about it. From hauling those, picking two plants up on each side and walking and load them up. And it's been 10 days straight and we got probably weeks and weeks ahead of us. Yeah. Okay. So, so, um, yeah, I'm coming down there. This is going to be, <laughs> I, I've got to find some time while you're doing this to come down. I want to go. I'll, I'll hit you Let's right. Do a yeah. video, I think uh, this live is for your right. We we'll do a live stream down there because like I'm going back in time. Here's all your plants on Facebook and there's the, there's the farm. They're all like a foot tall. And now, I mean, I see, I don't know who this is. Um, but man, she's like shoulder height on her. Our greenhouse has plants probably, well, I know they're all at least seven, eight feet tall or they're some, they're falling over now and they're, especially with the crazy windstorms we have. And yeah, but we have plants on plants on plants and this is a crazy time of harvesting right now. I might've bit off a little more. I can chew. So we're taking volunteers. If any volunteers want to come help. Do you have a way for volunteers to connect with you on your website or a way for the volunteers to like sign up? 
So far, we've just been taking them over, you know, via social media. People will send us messages or I've kind of broadcasted my phone number on there a few times. So, um, yeah, we're... Yeah, connect with you on Facebook for that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So Okay, so Facebook and Ung Family Farms and then and social media to volunteer and go down there and help these guys because I'm telling you what, they have a lot of damn work to do. <laughs> so then you're going to, you're going to harvest all that. And then where's that? You're going to ship it or how did, where does it go from there? So we're working and we're talking and we're trying to network as much as possible where we have some groups we're working with here locally that have connections in Oregon. Um, I've been talking a lot with a gentleman named Scott. He's been really cool with Met and they have some products that they're going to be doing as well. They have a home base out of Oregon and have some potential flower buyers. They've kind of had more opportunities to sell smokable flowers. So they have those kind of connections and hopefully we'll be able to work through their downline and even try to sell our own. We're going to be working on our own website and, you know, advertising and trying to sell our smokable flower out of state as well and get prepared for if and when Utah ever lets us, you know, do our, do something with our flower. So that's something, you know, if we can put some, some thought and good cause into is really pushing our state to, you know, let our hemp smokable flower kind of be a thing here. Yeah. How's this affected your family? Oh, we're all in literally. Yeah. So they, they've all supported me. They're actually, um, I got, I wouldn't be able to be doing this without my family. So that's where Ung Family Farms comes from. Um, we were, like I said, it was just me starting this crazy dream last year. And it was just Ungo Hemp CBD Farms or Ungo Hemp CBD. Yeah, this shirt, I guess. But now it's a Ung Family Farms. And I got my older brother, my little sister, and both of their um, spouses involved. And along with my girlfriend. And it's been, you know, my dad helping me out. My mom helping me out. We're getting support from anywhere we can. We're not like 10 year farmer family, you know, we don't have tractors and all this fancy equipment. So we're out here grinding every day, you know, blood, sweat and tears and trying to make it in this crazy industry. What keeps you going in it, man? Like, I'm sure there's some days that you just don't want to do it. I mean, what keeps you going? What keeps you motivated to keep going? Ah, it's, it's been the dream. Um, I'm pretty passionate about this plant. I've been, you know, involved in the cannabis industry for now, about 15 years, you know, professionally working since, you know, in Colorado since like 2010 or 11. And, you know, it's, I love this plant, you know, I'm all supporting even the whole medical side. And I, you know, I hope to be there someday or even recreational, even, you know, I, it should be someday, you know, we should have a, a healthier and safer option rather than just alcohol and tobacco. Amen. You know, if you want to relax and you yeah. want to get loose, like, Heck, that's what THC is all about. And it, there's a lot of great benefits and good, you know, medicinal value for THC as well. So I'm through and through. This is my passion, my dream. And that's where, you know, I'm just fortunate to be here right now growing diet weed. So I'm happy. <laughs> right. How's the, uh, what are the effects really like of, of smoking a CBD, a strong CBD strain or a low THC strain? So uh, it may just be, it's relaxing. It's calming. There's nothing, you won't get that psychoactive high. If, you know, if you smoked weed before, you might just be like, it's not working, you know, kind of, cause you're so used to maybe the THC, but I think even more when it gets to the concentrated side, I haven't done this yet, but you can start doing like dabbable CBD 
And I've heard people who that's where you start getting more of like a full CBD effect. And I've been told it feels like you're putting on a warm blanket, but I mm-hmm. dabbing or kind of hitting the concentrates too heavily. I take c- CBD just after if I'm having a sore time or my body's relaxed, if I need the relaxation that way. But I'm still a very, you know, I'll still medicate with the THC, you know, when I need to. I'm not a medical patient here yet in Utah, just due to my craziness, what I've been doing here and I had time or necessarily investment because I know that I need to get on, figure out how to do the whole medical card stuff. But right. I'm invested into the farm right now. I don't have time for the medical card yeah. stuff. <laughs> I need to get it. Well, we could, we should do an onsite, uh, we should do an onsite clinic day That'd down cool. at the farm. Yeah, I'll come down. I'll come welcome. down. We'll do a. I'll come down. We'll do a volunteer day. We'll do a discount for the evaluation. Hell, everybody down there is going to have pain. Yeah. After <laughs> <the day. laughs> and I think it's education <laughs> right. too. Getting you know, I just, I saw you guys have info how to get your card and stuff, but you know, there's still a lot of uh, kind of people just curious about how it's done and what it takes, and you know, if they're going to get approved or not. So, right, we'll do a we'll do a drive. That'd be cool. I just can't get enough of these. They're just beautiful plants. Okay, so talk to us about the products you want to um you want to make. Like, what's the what's the number one product that you think is going to come out of this? Okay, smokable flower, right? But that's that's my number one thing, especially for, as a farmer. Like, if I could, I guess I'm just going to put it out there. And I'll put my idea out there. But I want to be able to someday do like a you pick farm. You know where. All the other farmers around here, they just open up their their doors to their farm and you can come, we'll give you a tote and you go pick and choose your favorite nugs and you can, we'll weigh it and sell it to you by the pound and you can take it raw or you can, you know, we have our final product. You can buy it that way. But I think a you pick farm would be really cool to let people come and pick their own flower. They can dry it their own way, put it in their own medicine, however they want. They know how it's grown. They see it grown here. Like it's an organic grow, clean medicine. and I think the flower should be, you know, the cuffs need to be released and have a, a real chance. So that'd be cool. Smokable flower would be my dream. This would be a great idea. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah, that be cool, Chris, like to go know, out there? Because I, look at, <laughs> I'd visit. I'll put up a job um, online and just mention cannabis in the job, right? Because we do a lot, we do all this medical cannabis. And you mention that and just kaboom. People come from everywhere. They want to work in this industry. They want to learn about the plant. They want to touch it, smell it. What's it, what's it like? Like, I think, I think your idea is awesome. Like having people be able to come down. That's why I think by just releasing this podcast and this weekend, I want to see how many volunteer signups you get because there's so many people around that want to, that want to experience the plant. They, they're curious and they want to do it in a legal way, in a safe environment that's not that's not like full of people that they consider stoners. Yeah. I don't and know. I'm probably stereotyping too much today, Chris. There's a little bit of that because a lot of the volunteers that we already have, there are people who are people who use the plant, you know, and they're excited about the plant. I mean, that's all. They just want to be around it. And like you said, smell it, touch it. I mean, I hope they're fully, they are all aware that it contains no THC. So it's actually, I feel like most people who <laughs> right. want to be there are just true enthusiasts and they're passionate about the plant. And I, I, I'm happy to have them. You know, of course, we don't want people coming and stealing and doing this from us, but 
Uh, most of the people we have so far, they're all the volunteers have been great. I mean, they've been awesome. A lot of a lot of just even true patients who we have right now, a gentleman with cerebral palsy, and he's a true patient. I'm happy to have him there. He's there as much as he can till you know his body won't go no more. And he's he's just proud to be there, and he he's an awesome guy. So um, we're here for the whole plant. You know this everybody should have access to this plant, whether it come hemp or even medical or recreational, in my opinion. It's funny you were mentioning, you know, you don't want people to be stealing there. How funny would it be if someone like took a little bit with them and then they, they, they tried to smoke it and they're like, wait a minute, this stuff sucks. They didn't realize they were just I mean, trimming hemp or all something. All said and done, I wouldn't care. They wanted some and I just didn't see it and they took it. Like, <laughs> I'd rather just be on, I don't know, no one likes being stolen from, but yeah, people yeah, want to yeah. smoke it. People do want to smoke it. And it does relax you so yeah i understand you know like back in the day when i was like probably 16 17 and i used to you know think about the plant and stuff and if i just saw it growing wild anywhere i'd probably be like hey i want to take that with me uh, <laughs> so <right>? I, souvenir <laughs> especially in utah especially in I'll take payson. That <laughs> are you kidding me this is pace in utah you you are at this this I place know. is conservative yeah. <laughs> and that's been actually why my venture and my it, my my journey took me to Denver. I got in trouble for growing a single plant when I was like 22 years old and almost faced some felony charges and I had to leave the well I didn't have to leave the state but for me to have follow my dreams that's why I moved, you know, ultimately to Denver and try to be you know, I didn't want to be a criminal. I'm not trying to be a criminal and so that's why I waited, you know, till I saw Utah was coming around and it was safe for me to come home. That's cool. That's cool. I'm so stoked that I reached out to you to bring you on the show, man. I'm so, so you have such an interesting story and I mean, I'm sure it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. I mean, I, I, you probably have one of the bigger hemp farms here in Utah. Don't you think Tim or no? I don't know. Hi, gosh, great. I don't even There's know. Some bigger Mandy, farm. Mandy yeah. Kerr would know. We could yeah, ask her. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, right. just met Mandy a couple of weeks ago and she's an awesome lady. Yeah. Did she have you on her uh, Facebook? No, I haven't been well, on I've, her. her uh, it's probably um, because at 10 a.m. Yeah, 10 a.m. You're, uh, you're busy. <laughs> yeah, especially this right? time. Um, you need going, to go in the winter. Yeah. We, you know, we've talked just briefly. I met her at a little networking event that she had. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. So we went and shot shotguns out with a bunch of people from. Oh, yeah. The, the skate shoot. Uh-huh. Yep. Cool. So, yeah, that's where we first met. And she's already been very helpful. And yeah, she's a good person. Mm-hmm. Cool deal. Cool. Let's get this podcast wrapped up, Tim. Let's get let Trevor get back to uh, back to his stuff there. I'm sure he's got. Oh, I got to get to sleep because we got a long. Yeah, he's got to get some balm yeah. on his shoulders. And yeah. how can uh, I mean? How, how can listeners get get in touch with you? I mean, do you have a website? All that good stuff. I mean, what's what's the best way to connect? Yeah. So our products, um, like I said, we have only four products right now. That's what we started off with, and of course, we're going to be releasing more as soon as we can. You know, get our our hands out of the field and start looking and, you know, try to do some product development. But our website is inmotioncbd.com. And then just if you'd like to contact me to come volunteer, um, there's my social medias, um, either Ungo Bungo, and that's just U-N-G-O, B-U-N-G-O. So that's just a little nickname I had. But then, uh, yeah, the farm is, uh, social media is uh, at Ung, Ung Family Farms. Um, same with the Facebook. Very cool. Yeah. And how can listeners get a hold of you, Tim? What's the best way to do that? Well, for me, for me, it's always utahmarijuana.org. If you want to know about uh, marijuana in Utah, there you go. And you can chat with us online. 
Call us 801-851-5554. And uh, if you need more information about Ung Family Farms, you forget the name, forget how to get in contact with them. Just go to our website and chat with us and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hook you up. Very cool. Yeah, you can listen to my other podcast, I Am Salt Lake Podcast, IamSaltLake.com. That is uh, another podcast I do with my wife. Interviews with people in Salt Lake City. Tim was on episode 420, so go listen to that episode. That's the one I tell everyone to go listen to. And on that note, we will get out of here. Make sure to subscribe in whatever podcast app you are listening to this in and leave us a review in Apple Podcasts so we know what you think of the show. Anything else you guys want to say while we're still recording? Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. It was great meeting you both. Um, yeah. And I can't happy wait till we meet, meet in person. There. Yeah, we got to yeah, meet in person. Good luck though, to you, you know? Trevor. Absolutely. Yeah, really. Let's uh, plan something to have you guys out to the farm and we'll show you the chaos we're doing through the harvest process.